dulcet tones of Herb Alpert and the two on a brass meet this time once again for another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. I'm quoting both myself, listener, and a number of people who are probably much smarter than me when I say that the internet has been a great thing for baseball writing. Though, with such a low barrier for entry, there's obviously more space for bad writing. Indeed, it also creates opportunities for people who may not have otherwise found their way to the sports writing forum. My guest today is probably one of the more excellent products of democracy in sports writing. His name is Grant Brisby. He writes for McCovey Chronicles and Baseball Nation, and his writing is sharp and hilarious. In what follows, Grant and I discuss the making of a San Francisco Giants fan and writer. We discuss the specific joys and challenges associated with writing for such a select group of baseball nerds. And we discuss some of the other specific joys and challenges of writing for a national audience. Along the way, it's very possible that Mr. Brisby writes a dozen or so erotic love letters to catcher for the San Francisco Giants, Buster Posey. All of this and many more antics on this particular edition of Fangraphs Audio. My guest today, as I hope I've intimated, or actually just stated expressly uh, in the introduction, is Grant Brisby, most famously of McCovey Chronicles, uh, the larger SB Nation um, MLB writing sort of situation, and uh, and the internet generally. Uh, Grant, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Um, I think the first question everyone uh, would like you to answer is, what are you wearing? Cause right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do work from home. Yeah, so right. It's a uh, casual Monday through Friday. Um, I am actually clad in a Will Clark shirt, which is slightly embarrassing because I'm really, I don't like, I'm not adorned with Giants gear all the time. Um, but right now I've got, uh, it's a Will Clark shirt. It's, it's his, uh, kind of eyes and above. It's a, a shirt I got at Autism Awareness Night last year and it's, uh, it's not subtle. It's, a, it's Will Clark's face on a shirt. Do you feel more aware of autism now that since you went to that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got the shirt. It says it right here on the on the arm sleeve right here, yeah. Autism Awareness. So every time I look at that, I'm, like, totally aware of autism. Good, 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 good. Well, it seems like the Giants, and uh, in conjunction with whatever the, uh, you know, whichever uh, autism group, they've done their job, and you are – everyone's reaping the benefits. I think that's a win-win situation. Um, Grant, the reason you're here on this earth is because of – it's totally because of your parents. But the reason you're on this podcast – has a lot to do with the fact that you and, and don't respond to this. I'm just going to tell you, you're a fantastic writer. You're you're both uh, you're, you're you're very funny and but not funny in a you're funny in a very frequently a very tongue-in-cheek way and also in what I would describe as a whimsical way. Um, Can I respond to that? Okay, yeah, go for it. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, good. That's the only that's the only legitimate response. Um, and I don't know why it took till whatever episode. 70-something or 80 of, of Fangraphs Audio to get you on to the podcast, but I do know now that we uh, have had you on, um, you will be on uh, like at least every other one, if not <laughs> if not all of them. I assume you consent to that. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I signed the contract. I know what I got into. Good, yeah, you do. Um, so the thing is, the, the thing that really was the impetus for this, but was just sort of like the final straw in a, in a good way to, towards inviting you on the podcast was the pod, uh, the post you did recently. I believe it's called um, 
Tim Wakefield is probably a wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, in which you uh, make ten. I think you make ten. You make a very convincing argument via ten, ten bullet points um, that Tim Wakefield is a wizard. Um, and and you also make it clear to uh, to the reader that you say probably because you don't want to have to deal with uh, legal uh, repercussions. That's that's correct. Yes. Right. Correct. Yeah. Total nightmare. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but that's that's hilarious, and a lot of the stuff that you do for uh, for Nyer's uh, SB Nation uh, page is is hilarious. And uh, uh, not being a Giants fan, I don't, uh, of course, I don't frequent McCovey Chronicles, um, you know, because uh, what do I care? But um, the times that I have uh, made my way over there, you always seem to everything you do really seems to be you're interested in in not like a. You know, every line is kind of important, I guess. To you. It's, uh, I want to start. I want to. I want to get the the full picture of you. But first, first, I guess the thing is like, why, uh, how did you become a Giants fan? How did that start? That's all from my parents. I, mean, I grew up uh, ten minutes away from Candlestick, and my parents, when I was growing up, didn't have a a ton of money, so we didn't go on vacations. We didn't go to Disneyland, anything like that. But the one thing they did splurge on uh, was a, a season ticket package where they got. Uh, Sunday games. So for however many Sunday games there were at Candlestick Park uh, for a year, we would be at, at, at the park every Sunday. And it was when the Giants were really just awful. Um, so, you know, there'd be 6,000 people in the stands on a Sunday, uh, which was really neat. I would be able to go up to the, the pitchers in the bullpen and they would kind of know me. They would, you know, Bill Lasky would give me uh, baseballs every time I, I poked my head out there. Uh, so that's how it started. Just, just go into the baseball uh, uh Park with my parents and ended up kind of snowballed from there. And uh, so you're you're a native uh, actually of San Francisco. Yeah, well, just I'm a suburb boy, so uh, uh, grew up in Burlingame, which is about uh, uh, right near the airport. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I, and I, I that's I understand all that. People are from the suburbs. That's just that's a thing that happens. That's people. I mean, it makes sense. I I mean, I, and I believe you have a child. I don't have one because I'm afraid of it. But I I recognize that when you have a child, child or like child. If I'm not, I don't know. I read the numbers recently, but the, it, on average, it takes like a million dollars a year to raise a child. Is that about right? Yeah. No, I mean it's all borrowed, so you know, it's yeah. the bank's problem. Yeah. Right. 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 No. No doubt. Um, and the banks are well, at least they're well off, so it's not really a problem. But um, so you grew up now. Now you said you went to Sunday games. Were those mostly day games then? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm I've been led to believe that Candlestick at night was not like a real pleasant place to be. Yeah, I mean, rarely during the day was it, uh, but yeah, when I, Candlestick at night is more when I would uh, go with high school and, and uh, college with my buddies, and yeah, it's, it's miserable. I mean, it's, you would take a certain pride in it, you know, you'd bundle up and you'd have 752 layers, and, and you'd drink in the parking lot to kind of steal yourself for, for the elements. And You drank when you were with your... Your parents? You just like a no, no. This is this is this is a high school and and uh, oh, I see. high school and college. No, with my parents, it's mostly just like cocaine, peyote, stuff like. Oh, that. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I you know. see. You're so so so. We'll we'll announce some cultural differences right now. Um, I'm from New England, right? And uh, where everyone, you probably know this. Most people wear they wear like a buckle style cap, right? You know what I mean? And um, and we don't uh, we don't you're not allowed to smile frequently. You're not allowed to smile. Um, just right. Pushing things. people out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And temperance is a big deal. So forget co- cocaine. You're not even. Um, you're actually. You can't even. There are a lot of other things you can't do. Like Kit Kat bars are illegal in most of the New England states. Because everyone. I mean, 
you're spending all your time building cornucopias, lavish cornucopias for the, the middle of your table. I mean, right, 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 right. So you understand. The yeah, thing absolutely. is, um, I don't, I don't really understand San Francisco that well, or like what what it's like to be there. But when you say that you did cocaine and peyote with your parents, that to me, that's only like seven percent shocking. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like just generally. So I, I don't know what like your 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 um, experiences in other parts of the country, but like San Francisco would not immediately announce itself, just from what I know as an outsider, as like a as a baseball town, and yet it seems like a good baseball town. So can you can you help me out with that? Yeah, it, well, I mean that's it's kind of a fairly uh, recent reputation uh, because when when they're in Candlestick, I don't think they have the reputation of, of a baseball town. It was it was Forty Niners, Forty Niners, Forty Niners, and the Giants. Even when they had good teams, they weren't you know drawing three million fans to Candlestick. Because Candlestick is a total toilet bowl. Um, so you know, with the new ballpark, I mean the new ballpark's amazing, and and other than a four or five years uh, in the late 2000s, they uh, they contended, and it, it's kind of snowballed from there, and the Niners have been awful, so it's, everything's just kind of been a perfect storm, and all of a sudden, uh, San Francisco's this huge baseball town, and it really is, I mean, you, it's the kind of place where, you know, people come up to you who you've never talked to, and you've got a Giants hat on, and they'll start, you know, shooting the breeze and stuff like that, so it's pretty pretty impressive. Now, that seems to me, and maybe I'm, you know, I'm misreading this, so I've spent a little bit of time on the West Coast, I live in Portland for a while. Um, and so Portland is like the opposite of that, you know. And I wasn't sure. It's hard to uh, distinguish these things. Like, is it a West Coast thing? Because you know, I want to, I want to, I want to label it so that I can negate it, as a kicker guard said, or <laughs> something like that. But I do want. So um, in Seattle, I, I spent some time in Seattle. It seemed like a decent baseball town, but when they're losing, certainly not so much. But um, I mean, is it? It seems like if something is native to the West Coast. It's a sort of uh, it's 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 a it's a, a reluctance to really be invested in something. That's what I think. At least the the sort of like you know uh, uh, white uh, up you know middle to upper middle class people that I know, and or, you know, or the children of those people, I should say. So I don't know if that's. I mean, is that is that your experience, or you know, you individually, or are you experiencing other people, other people who like the the the, uh, the giants, like ironically, essentially, or is it pretty earnest? Yeah. I would think it's uh, pretty earnest. You know, I'm also kind of in a bubble because I'm I'm in the the middle of of just you know, super hardcore Giants nerd, and I have been for a few years. So it's you know maybe I've got these nerd color glasses to wear. You know, I think everyone's thinking like like me and the people on my site, but it it feels pretty earnest. I mean, I know that there's kind of a spectrum of sports uh, uh, fanaticism that you know you get the people in soccer who you know will literally kill the people who don't perform well for their team um, and then it, it, it kind of dips down into the east coast where there's like a, a certain like the, the the Yankees Red Sox even though people like to complain about how it's overhyped I mean there is like a real earnest bitter rivalry there and the fans take it really really seriously and I think it slides down a little bit when you get to the west coast um, for sure but I think the Giants um, right now do have kind of a, a Passionate fanatic fan base. Um, maybe it's a lot of the front runners uh, making their voices heard in conjunction with the people who would brave the cold at Candlestick. But uh, yeah, I think it's pretty earnest. So, so let's talk about how just uh, being a Giants fan uh, ended up with you, um, you know, writing and editing McCovey Chronicles. And I, I assume that at some point it's going to involve even a 
you know, like a passing interest in sabermetrics and additionally something involving writing. Because, and again, they're not blowing wind or up or near or smoke up you, near you, or athwart you. But I, you have your voice. You have a very well-defined voice, which would strike me as someone who has thought about writing to some degree and has been exposed to good writing. Um, and so I'm curious as to as to how how like what you sort of see as the, the salient details in your uh, in your journey to to baseball writerdom. Yeah, well, I always considered myself you know a writer, and I was going to write, and I, I liked to write fiction. And when I was in uh, an undergraduate at Southern Oregon University, I took all these creative writing classes, and basically I would only write when something was assigned to me. Um, I would sit down uh, to write, you know. You know, it was a dark and stormy night, and then I'd get distracted by a moth or something and just not write. But whenever I would be on the Internet, um, you know, news groups back in those days, and I would want to write a thousand words about the Giants, it would sort of come effortlessly. And so when I started my first blog, which is Waiting for Boof, it was basically just a practice writing because I knew that I could force myself to, to write and that I would be able to practice, you know, putting uh, this clause in front of the other one and be able to, to make this joke and that joke and see what works and what doesn't. Um, so really it was a means to an end to get me into a routine to where I could go back and you know eventually write fiction or screenplays or whatever I wanted to do. And I, I just never did. I, I just don't have the, the patience, I guess, to sit down or the discipline. Well, I was curious, I'm curious about that because do you think like the, the immediacy of an audience sort of helps you because there's, there's like a performative aspect? And you know if you're, if you're starting – Automatically with the Giants, it's like people, yeah, people are interested in the Giants. There are a whole bunch of people in the Bay Area who want to read about the Giants, and so you have that like built in, and so you know it's like you're you're like you'd have definitely have readers. Whereas like if you're working, like you mentioned, like on a screenplay or if you're going to write a short story, there is that like there's, there's a distance. You know, you don't know if this is going to get published. You don't know how many people are going to see it. You know, you don't know how it's going to get lost. You don't know how to necessarily how to sell it. Whereas like I'm writing about sports. You people are reading about sports, and and so does the sort of immediacy of having that audience. Do you think that affects the way you approach it, or or is this uh, is this not a not a factor? No, 100. percent I mean that is at the absolutely. I couldn't put it better. Um, it was once I started writing to get the practice, I would start to get feedback, and that would encourage me. Uh, and then when I did McCovey Chronicles, uh, I actually had a you know, contract saying you will write X number of posts. And so even when I would just say, boy, I have nothing today. I have no ideas, nothing. Um, I knew that there were still people um, counting on me, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, but also knew that there were people who would, you know, click on my site and go, you know, where the, where the hell is the post for today? Um, and that would kind of force me into writing. And from that, I, you know, there, there's times where I've thought that I had nothing and I've ended up writing things that I'm really, really proud of. So, yeah, 100%. I mean, having, you know, even just two people who are looking forward to reading your work, it's, it's totally different than, you know, writing the, the great American novel and then, you know, reading it back to yourself 652 times and going, boy, this is crap. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, it's probably, like it probably is crap. I mean, that's probably the truth. No, it's by definition great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, what you're reading, but mine, no. Yeah, so wait a second. Uh, are we talking about John Dos Passos? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, his, his lesser-known uh, Finland trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to start small, right? you yeah, gotta right. Start, you got to start small. The, um, so wait, did you say Southern Oregon? Yeah, for sure. Why? 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 Why did you go to Southern Oregon? 
Uh, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is that uh, I was a terrible student in high school, uh, and I would just I'd resign myself to I was going to go to community college and you know eventually drop out and that sort of thing. Um, but then when my friends who weren't terrible students, uh, they all started getting accepted to to real schools, <laughs> and uh, I I started to, to feel really kind of yeah, have this. These pangs of regret, just man, I want to go away. This sounds like fun, you know. College sounds like a blast. Yeah. They're all going away. I won't have any friends. Um, and Southern Oregon University uh, was one of the few schools that didn't have uh, a deadline. Uh, you could it was open enrollment or open application, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so yeah. rolling admissions, uh, they might call it. Yeah, whatever, whatever that. And and, and uh, that in conjunction with at the time I was uh, uh, a drama nerd, and I thought I would go up to Ashland and. And study Shakespeare and be a, a theater major, and so that's how that all ended up. And 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 did you end up being a theater major? I took like one lighting class, yeah. and I dropped that after a semester. Um, so no no theater. I mean, when you're a theater major, you have to take like makeup and uh, yeah. lighting and stuff like that. And you know, I just wanted to show up and take like you know eight actor classes and you know look at me and right yeah. So I, I dropped it pretty quickly. Um. Well, uh, so wait, with you doing that, if you take a lighting class, do you have to take a darkness class too? <laughs> when I was behind the lights, it was kind of like that, yeah. Right, right, right. No, I get it. Uh, I'm a technical idiot, so yeah, it was it was ugly. Can we talk? Uh, uh, I want to make another sweeping uh, generalization about the region from which you 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 come, um, and that's that. Typically speaking, typically speaking, uh, people I've known on the West Coast, there the there's there's less. I guess there's less emphasis placed on uh, mouthiness or like or or what we might call wit, which isn't to say that people are better or worse, but it's like it tends to be like a you know in uh, Boston or New York it tends to be like a little bit of a survival mechanism, um, and so there's probably you know and there's it's a virtue right to be a little bit mouthy, um, whereas you know like uh, the people I generally know from the West Coast, uh, it's more like it's like a being, you know, being good, like whatever being good is, you know, for the particular region, I guess. But um, so, but you seem to to have some comfort with uh, chit chatting and like, and tr- you, like the just the capacity to make most things a joke. I'm curious where that came from. Uh, I have no idea. Um, are your parents? I mean, are parents funny people? Yeah, you know what? Actually, yeah, that, that my mom's real quick wit. Um, my dad is, he thinks he's funnier than he is, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we would sit around the, the table and uh, make puns, mm-hmm. and it would be kind of a game to, to one-up, you know, try and make the, the pun, which it sounds really lame, but when you're six, you know, you're you're doing it with your parents and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, my family kind of has, we show our affection by cutting each other down and, and things like that. Um, we always have, and it drives my wife nuts. Um, and it took her a little while to get used to it, but yeah. Now that you mention it, I think uh, you're kind of getting to the core of me, Carson. You're, That's what uh, I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're really kind of working things out. No, no, it's good, and this is uh, this is a lot cheaper than psychoanalysis. I feel um, relieved. Or any of the analyses, I believe. Yeah. No, no. I just well, I was curious about that because I feel like that's a strange thing about. Um, and you know, at at, uh, at FanGraphs now, I've written a couple uh, pieces on you know reviewing. Uh, broadcasters, whether it be TV or radio broadcasters, and I noticed that like the reactions people have, you know, like I try, and, I try and be very fair, um, and you know, I try and watch at least you know a couple times to have some background, and you know, so that, like if I miss something, but it tends to get you know some pretty strong reactions from people, you know, and 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 uh, you know, 
I, the reason I assume is because you spend a lot of time with these people. You know, right. you spend a lot of time with these broadcasters, and what's and and it's not something. You know, you might make fun of them, or you might be like, "Oh, I really like this announcer," but it's a really intimate experience. Like if you're say if you're a big Giants fan, you spend a lot of time, maybe three hours a day with John Miller. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like really intimate. And I assume it's the same thing with with baseball writers too. Is it becomes you know people who read McCovey Chronicles, they're reading Grant Brisby's work like every day, and so so that it becomes uh, like a real intimate experience, even if it's not you know even if you know very few people will articulate it as such. Um, and so, so I assume like when we talk about working things out. It's like I feel like reading your work, um, you know, whether it's accurate or not. Like I, you know, like I would anyone's work. I feel like, well, I kind of know this guy, even though right. you know, even though we haven't really talked before or anything like that. And I feel like probably a lot of the people who read your work. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you get it from writers that you enjoy too. It's like I kind of know this person because it's hard not to reveal yourself, you know, especially I think when you're talking about those situations where you're writing like even like especially like on the day that you just don't feel like you have anything. Right. You know, you're like, oh, I have to do something. So it's like you're going to be yourself because you're not, like, coming at it with any affectations. Right. And, it, it, you know, I'm totally spoiled with the format um, that I have in that I can be as informal as I want to be. I can be as research-driven as I want to be. Um, I could, you know, if I really wanted to, I could just go on there and say, um, you know, boy, I think everything the Beatles wrote after 1967 stunk. Discuss, discuss among yourself, and uh, you know people would would react to it, and they would read it, and they would discuss it, and they would comment on it. You know, it's a lot of freedom to where in any other format, um, even with the Baseball Nation format. I mean, it's it's, it's so kind of I feel like it, it, it's structured. Um, it, so with McCovey Chronicles, I ha- I have the ability to just kind of just put myself wholly into my writing when when I feel like I wanted to do that. Um, now, yeah, how often, absolutely. It's, how often uh, can you do that? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but how often can you do like that Beatles thing? Like, what percent of the post do you think could just be like, it's like we recognize because it's essentially like this acknowledgement that you are part of a community, and and you're Giants fans, but you're going to have other interests too, right? And, right. And so, and and I've noticed this, and, I, and I'm really impressed by this thing, especially with the, the SB Nation blogs, um, is that there really does seem to be like a very strong sense of community. And of course, like if you're with someone, even though you have this one interest that draws you to the site, you're gonna there're gonna be other things that people are interested in talking about. And so I wonder, like, what what percentage of the post can be like that, like not baseball whatsoever, but like a, just a clear acknowledgement that we have other things going on in our lives. You know, I don't. I I generally don't push that too often. Uh, I would think as long as I'm hitting all the baseball points, uh, you know, as many. As many as I'd want to put up there, as long as people would would uh, react and comment on it, um, you, you know, I've, in the off season, I think it's a little bit more uh, tempting to say nothing's going on. It's January. What are the last ten books you've read? Um, and it's always fun to throw something like that in there. But I've never really pushed the envelope so much as you know, every day just being like, boy, I just can't think about baseball anymore, even though it's August. Um, so here's my third straight. Uh, post on uh, sitcoms or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, so. right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you find that the uh, the I mean, you know, as a, again as an outsider, and and I sort of um, the position that I have is that I you know I, I grew up a Red Sox fan, but after the World Series uh, 2004, it it became to- something totally different, right? It, it it wasn't like being a Red Sox fan anymore. So my my position now is like pretty. Uh, there, there's, I don't really possess any team allegiances, right? So, 
so the SB Nation blogs, I noticed the different writers, but it's hard for me to get a real uh, intimate sense of the communities. A, do you feel like there's there is a pretty big difference between the communities, and and, and B, like what do you how do you what do you feel like distinguishes the McCubby Chronicles community if that if that is the case? Yeah, I think that there are um, a lot more similarities between the communities than a lot of people would. Uh, give SB Nation credit for, uh, as far as, it seems like, you know, my site, there's a lot of people who, oh, you know, the Purple Row people are this way, and oh, man, you know, the, the Talking Chop people say this, and, you know, there is there is a tendency to kind of pigeonhole different sites into to these corners, but really, the communities for each site, it's basically the people who just dug through all of the layers on the internet to get to, like, the main hive of baseball nerdery. You know, they started, they got on the internet and they were checking the box score on ESPN. It's like, okay, they dug a little deeper and now they're on their, their hometown newspaper's site and they're, they're reading the articles there and okay, that's not enough. So then they're commenting on the articles and then they see that the the beat writer has his blog on the team and they're commenting on that. Maybe they find a link here and it, you know, it just kind of funnels its way down until you're at like the bottom of the sports <laughs> world on the internet. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, how much more nerdy can you get? And the answer is none, none more nerdy. And like, that's what I think SB Nation basically, you know, all 30 baseball teams, I think that's kind of the communities have funneled their way down there. And so there's a lot of com, a lot of things in common. Um, you know, but there are some there are some some differences, and I think a lot of that has to do with the voice of the writer. I mean, you've got, you know, I, I generally don't like to take myself too seriously. Um, I would rather be wrong and be funny than be, you know, right and be completely dry. Um, and I think the, the communities kind of feed off that in a little way, uh, whereas some other communities might be a little bit more statistically oriented, a little bit uh, uh, more into the analysis, and I think the communities are affected a little bit like that. Uh, but I think the bottom line is that it, it, these are like places for super fans, and super fans are generally going to behave like super fans. Right, 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 right. Um, that's, so that's interesting. So so you, so you when did McCovey Chronicles start, or like how, how long have you been part of it? Um, it started, I think, in 2004. 2006, it was the the second SBN site. So it was Athletics Nation was kind of the, the trial balloon, and then when they started getting the blogs together, um, mine was the first non-Athletics Nation site to go live. I think that was in 2006. No, 2005. 2005. 2005. You sound uh, certain. You sound certain now. Final answer. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, very good. Well, let's let. Um, I want to ask you about the Giants, the, the actual baseball team. Um, is there? Uh, I mean, what do I need to know as a person who's not a Giants fan? I mean, what what is what is being is being a Giants fan? I mean, much like you know, we we're discussing like the difference between McCuffey Chronicles and other sites. Being a Giants fan is that is it like being another fan except you just happen to cheer for this team from your town, or is there like what are like the defining principles of of Giants fandom? Do you suppose? It used to be that we were the stealth tortured franchise, and I don't mean I mean the Giants baseball torture kind of thing is is around now, and it's it's, it's a catchphrase. But I mean like a different kind of torture to where it was like legitimately we never won anything. The Giants moved to San Francisco, and they've consistently broken our hearts. And everyone's Cubs this and Red Sox that, blah blah blah, um, and no one looks at us and and uh, thinks about how miserable we are. Um, and for a while, it was just 
the Giants were good every year, they'd make the playoffs, and then they'd do something just horrific to make sure that they didn't win a, a World Series. And so for decades and decades, at least you know for me, it felt like being a Giants fan was synonymous with kind of being that that tough luck fan that uh, that the the Cubs fans have the reputation for, the Indians fans, or you know the White Sox or Red Sox had a reputation for before they actually won something. Uh, so for a while, it was about being tortured, and then when they won the World Series, you know, now I really have no idea what it means. Well, so has it changed? I mean, has your fanship, your like the the way you approach the team, has it changed? Are you like, oh no, I'm a, now I'm still a Giants fan. We just happened to have won the World Series last year. Uh, you know, I think it has changed as far as when something goes wrong in the regular season. Um, apart from the, you know, the the truly horrific stuff like the like the Buster Posey injury or something like that. But if they if Brian Wilson blows a save in the ninth inning, um, I think in the past it would get to me. It, it would just make me kind of even if I consciously think, oh boy, you know, what if that was the win that keeps him out of the playoffs? Not getting in the playoffs means another year without a World Series, or you know, what if that's the win that doesn't give them you know home field advantage in the playoffs, and that leads to to not winning a World Series. Um, to where now, you know, I take it just more game by game. Where if something bad happens, it's like, well, that, that game stunk. Um, so you're telling you know, me you take the, it? Are you literally telling me you take it one game at a time? You know, I well, you know, I like to to watch my games like 110 percent, like of my. <laughs> Concentration on the games. Yeah, I take it you know one one game at a time, just on a game by game basis. One Are you just doing what time. you can for the team, Grant Brisby? Is that what you're trying to suggest right now? It's you know it's it's uh, one game at a time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that I was doing that, but yeah, no, I take it one game at a, at a time. Personally. Well, no, it's useful. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's useful because it it could be it's like a healthy way of doing things. And, uh, and I mean, it's seriously. There was, I mean, just especially in the late season when when the, there was one game against the Rockies in 2009 where the Giants came back in extra innings and they took the lead on the Rockies. And then the Rockies came back and did that Coors Field thing where they you know ripped your heart out in front of you as you watched it beat. And I mean, it was the most difficult regular season loss I think I've ever felt. Um, so they play. Wait, you guys act out a scene from Indiana Jones. Temple of Doom. Temple yeah. of Doom. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, I use an Indiana Jones metaphor at least once a day. So. Yeah, right. Smart. Smart. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine feeling like that about a regular season game again. I mean, maybe, you know, give me a few years because there was a time where as a Niners fan, I was, you know, just Im- Im- impervious to, to feeling like a loser. And now after a few decades, it's like, boy, the Niners sure make me feel like a loser. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, because they're bad. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. they've been there for a decade, and it's like at this point, it's like, well, you know, it was sh- sure great in 1994 to to root them on, but boy, this stinks now. Right, right, um, right. So, yeah, after, so it, after it can get to that. Right. Has, <laughs> not a lot has happened. Um, but it, it, it can get to that point again with the Giants. It's just right now. It's just I'm, I just can't imagine taking a regular season game like so seriously to where it would like ruin my night. Well, here's that's, the thing. That's the difference. Here's the thing too is like when when the Red Sox won. Like it was large, you know. It was definitely due in no small part to the fact that both the ownership group and the front office were amazing, right? So you had like Theo Epstein and his like, you know, like his army of like, um, you know, like intelligent young men, and then you had an ownership group that just totally got it and was willing to. They wanted to spend money well, but I think they also understood that um, that a way to make a way to make money. In baseball is to is to win games, 
right. you know, it's one of the surest ways, unless you're going to just totally, you know, just like tank and get the, and you know, and get the uh, sharing, uh, revenue sharing money. Right. Right. Um, so the thing is, like, it, it started to feel unfair. Like, after, well, a couple things happened after 2004. I was like, all right, they won, and it was amazing. It was cathartic. I wasn't ready for the 2005 season to begin, but it was also like. I could like when that next like the next time a Dan Shaughnessy article came around and Dan Shaughnessy was like, oh you know like I can't believe, oh like Theo is effing up again, you right. know what I mean? And it was like, dude, like what is your problem? It's like so clear that they're so much better and so much more well run than they used to be. How could this even be an issue for you? Like how do you live? You know how can you say that? Uh, to, you know, seriously. Whereas, looking at the Giants, I don't know much about the ownership group, but I do know Brian Sabian is still like kind of a wild card. Is that is that an accurate read? Yeah, for you know, after the question was when he's building teams with bonds, uh, it felt like he was a real hit and miss guy. He would acquire some guys, Ellsbergs, you know, who, who made sense and, and did well, and then he. he throws a lot in with other guys who just couldn't hit. Um, so for a while, it was like, well, you know, is he really a good general manager? Are the Giants winning because of him, in spite of him? Uh, and then when Bonds left, I mean, the Giants just could not hit. So from, or, you know, towards the tail end of Bonds' career, even with Bonds being a monster, the Giants were just a miserable offensive team. And they've been a miserable offensive team for years and years and years. And then last year, they were, you know, kind of average. And, and in the last part of the year, they were built on the fly by Sabian, and they turned into a pretty, you know, decent enough team uh, offensively, and combined with the great pitching, um, they were, uh, you know, obviously, they, they had a lot of success, and then this year, the offense is terrible again. Um, a lot of it's due to injuries, so you can't really blame Sabian that much, um, but I, it feels like the things that bugged me about Sabian three years ago, um, it's not illegitimate to, to bug me about him today. Like, I don't think he's a radically different general manager. I don't think he's necessarily proven himself to be, um, you know, a, a total sorcerer and, and, and uh, you know, magic general manager just because he won a championship. I think he evaluates offensive players differently than, than I do, and even though I'm just a nerd um, who lives with his, you know, in his mom's basement or whatever. Um, That's weird. What does your wife think about that? Um, well, she, you know, we don't see each other too. She's more of like a an addict person. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we'll meet in the middle. Yeah, but, right, uh, right. Yeah, that's actually uh, the sequel. Uh, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. <laughs> men are from the basement. Women are live up in the attic. Somewhere. Oh man, I'd totally write that if you didn't own all the rights to it. I do. I own all of the. You rights. know, by virtue of our agreement earlier. Yeah, yeah. I actually own 110 percent of the rights to that. So even <laughs> that extra 10 percent that you were thinking of using, uh, I own that too. Oh man! And now you're you're gonna be writing it day by day. That's right. I'm living it. I'm actually living it. It's not just writing. It's just living it. Um, so so do you? So let me ask you about this this uh, this current iteration, like the last you know year and a half of of the Giants. Th- this whole thing with like you know it's like clearly Brian Wilson, Tim Lincecum, um this kind of like weird stony crew. Are you are you in are you into that thing or you know Matt Cain with his like bizarre maybe maybe not. Jufro, like, is this a thing that are you into the, the like, the, like these weird guys, or, or do you think that's kind of played out, or I mean, how do you how do you sort of interact with that? Uh, I, they're, it's a definite, interesting group of personalities, and I think Wilson's a little played out um, on the national scene, um, but I also think he's pretty much like that, uh, from what I can gather, just 
all the time. Um, you know, always trying to to say the weird thing. I mean, you know, guys like that. You know, maybe they're funny sixty percent of the time, uh, but they're always trying. Um, I think that's that's really him. Uh, in Litsicum, yeah, I think Litsicum might be the most normal guy of them all. I mean, he he's got the long hair, but uh, he seems pretty well grounded. Um, Matt Kane's he, he's a he's a goofy sob, um, and people I don't think realize it because he's pretty straight laced. Uh, you could say son. You could say son on podcast on this podcast. No, I just didn't want to get into the whole of thing. I, you don't want to say off. I get it. 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 Um, but uh, last year I was really I was expecting the Giants to fail again because I'm a you know cynical ass and and I was totally expecting the Giants to reach the playoffs and then they wouldn't be able to hit and I, I was really kind of expecting it. I just I wrote something last August um, when I wasn't expecting the Giants to even make the playoffs. I, I just I really was pulling for this team because they they are just a bunch of goofballs. I mean Aubrey Huff is is a goofball in that uh, uh, old frat guy kind of way. Um, it, Wilson's it's something a little bit more sinister. Uh, but you, you get all, all the way down the roster to people, someone like Pablo Sandoval, who's just a completely good natured, um, earnest guy. And I just I love like the whole team. Like there wasn't like one guy that I was like that guy needs to. to Get well until Jose Guillen, but I mean, he became the lightning rod. But before him, it was like, I love everyone on this team. I just want these guys to succeed. Why won't they succeed? And then they did. Right. So, um, let me ask you a question, mm-hmm. Grant Brisby. Yes. Buster Posey. You are a straight man, but you have—I know you have some sort of feelings for him. Is that true? Uh, Even if it's only like a like a like an ethereal sort of. Life connection, sort of thing. No, it's it's lost, but yeah. <laughs> no, I've, actually, actually, uh, one of my one of my quips is that my my wife and I have that agreement that that some couples have to where you <laughs> pick a celebrity uh, that you can you know go off with and it's not really considered cheating. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Posey, and I chose Buster Posey. Wait, who'd she choose? Sorry, Buster Posey. She, you guys both chose Buster Posey. Yeah, I mean it was, and it's convenient. So uh, no, no, I get it, I get it. Well, that could get into like a real jealousy-inducing situation, though. It's like, oh, what? You like her better? That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> awkward for everybody. Buster um, Posey wouldn't like her better. Yeah, <laughs> it's not possible. Come on. What is so? So the thing is, he's like a uh, like a blonde-haired, maybe blue-eyed. We'll pretend for the sake of this conversation, he's blue-eyed. Like, um, and like, uh. Little guy who's just like a preternaturally talented hitter, and and seems like just like one of those baseball guys who's like, yep, I like baseball. I like playing baseball. I'm good at baseball. I like I'm having fun out here, and I'm and I'm competent at it. He's got like a good contact rate, like great line drive swing, and he's like you know, and uh, for all that he seems to be like a great teammate, and like he calls a good game, all these sorts of things. I mean, is that what what is uh, what is Buster Posey to you? I mean, what do you think is the um, you know, even joking aside, or perhaps it's not joking in either case. Uh, what, what is the what is the for you like the the draw? Like, what's the mystique behind Buster Buster Posey? Uh, the, it's a, he's the perfect storm. I mean, with Giants and their prospects um, between Matt Williams and and let's say Pablo Sandoval, um, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. There was like Marvin Bernard, Bill Miller, like those were. Like Bill Miller's legitimately the best position player the Giants brought up between Matt Williams and Pablo Sandoval, and it's not really that close. And then after that, it's Marvin Bernard. Um, so it, we're talking a good, you know, 20 years where the Giants just aren't bringing up hitters. You know, they're getting people from from other parts of the the baseball universe and stapling them to Barry Bonds and stuff like that. Um, but P- 
Pablo Sandoval was the first guy to come up from the farm system. And then later, Buster Posey was was the guy to come up, and he came up from the farm system, and, and he was able to bring San Francisco championship to you know where Mays, McCovey, Will Clark, um, Jack Clark. I mean, these guys couldn't do it. Um, not not like he did it all himself. And obviously, he had a lot of help. Um, so there's that part of the mystique, and then he just he just says all the right things. I mean, he's just he's just an adorable. Uh, Adorable little fella. Um, <laughs> I mean, during the, during the, the the World Series parade, you know, he got up and all the Giants players are taking turns. You know, they're at this podium and they're in front of a million people, and and you know, they're they're saying ball player things more or less. And, and he gets up there, and I, I swear to God, I would have voted for for him for any office. He's just like, you know, we we've did our thing. We we went and then we won a championship, and we're going to take a week to celebrate this. And then we're going to come back, and we can't be satisfied. He's like looking at the camera. I'm like, my God, you know, where do I send the campaign check to? This is <laughs> this guy's amazing. Um, so it's it's a combination of everything. It's his play. It's you know his status in the franchise. But then also just he's just a likable, you know, he's just Buster Posey. He's just so flippin' dreamy. Yeah, right. And, and so is that? Uh, I mean, with, that, with, that? I, I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment. Yeah. We can cut. We can cut it out. No, I, yeah, yeah, we'll cut it out. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we're back, and uh, and uh, Grant just had to <laughs> take a, take a couple of seconds or minutes, or just actually an hour. It's been an hour since that last part you heard. We uh, is Posey? I mean, is he is he the thing? Now, obviously, you're. Well, how old are you? Are you allowed to divulge that information? Yeah, I'm uh, 33. You're 33. Okay. Um, so you've been a, a Giants fan for a while. Is Posey, and, and obviously as a as a 33 year old man, your relationship with ball players is going to be different because you see some of the flaws. You know, you understand like the, the business aspects of the game, um, and it's hard to necessarily attach that sort of mythic quality to them. But I mean, it, is I mean, is Posey your favorite Giant, or 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 would it be someone else? I mean, is it impossible to have a favorite player like after age, you know, whatever 12 or something? Yeah, I would. I get that question every so often, and yeah, I think my last favorite player was, I don't know, Will Clark. I mean, if I had to to narrow it down, maybe Posey. Um, yeah, I really like Kane. Um, I love watching Kane. I love his personality. Um, it, it might be Kane. You know, he was the before there was Linscombe, before there was Posey. There was you know, Kane was the you know the great right-handed hope and. Uh, it would probably be Kane, I would say. He's he's been around for the the truly awful teams, and, and it was uh, good to see him get uh, get his reward last year. And I, I think I have a special attachment to Kane that I might not. Uh, you may or may uh, not be aware of this, Graham Brisby, but uh, it appears as though Kane uh, is able to um, uh, keep uh, to suppress home runs per fly ball. I don't know if you know that. Um, was that, was that like a <laughs> uh, sports writer hack uh, headline? Not that Kane is able to. Oh wow! Oh you man! You didn't even realize it. I didn't no, even realize no, it. It's just built inside. I'm just a writer. I can't. I can't fight it. I just have to embrace. Just have to embrace it. That was like some second level stuff. I was. I was pretty impressed. Um, yeah. yeah it, it, you know, it's at first everyone was saying, uh, you know, Kane's lucky. Kane's lucky. Kane's lucky. And I think now the sabermetric community is, is saying, uh, boy, it sure seems like the Giants don't allow a, a lot of home runs as a team. Um, whether it's a function of ballpark or or what, or if it's you know some magic that Dave Rigetti shares, um, so I think that's that's where the the group think is now is that there, there's something going on with the Giants, not necessarily Matt Cain. Um, I think he'd be a little bit different pitcher if you're pitching in uh, Cincinnati or something like that. But uh, right. um, I, I think he's pretty pretty legitimate. 
like that guy. Let's uh, let's talk uh, briefly. I, I don't want to keep you forever, but I do want to ask you about uh, working with uh, Baseball Nation, uh-huh. uh, the you know MLB. Com, uh, where I will contribute uh, little things, but you are one of the uh, sort of anchors of that site, and I'm curious as to as to how that's developed. Or you know, like if Nair, like if does he verbally abuse you the way? Like because I know like. He says just terrible things about me and my mother and like Italian. He says terrible things about Italian people. Like, does Not, he? I mean, does he really cut you to the core like that? Or what? Like, what's been your experience? I know you did. You did a great post with, uh, uh, definitely with with Jeff Sullivan and uh, was also John Boys involved in that. The, um, the the what's in a name? The etymology of, of baseball. Name? Yeah, for sure. That was a the fun three, collaboration. The three of you guys, and that was just hysterical. For everyone who doesn't know, this was like a. Um, it was it was you you sort of made like uh, uh you took proper names and you you made them into uh what nouns and adjectives essentially and verbs yeah i guess uh that that post was called uh well it's it's funny for 10 different reasons it's called what's in a name the etymology of of baseball um this was this was just uh, from a little over a week ago um but also the 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 built-in joke that people may not notice is that the URL for it actually ends in huge breaking New York Yankees news. <laughs> is that you? Is that you who did that? Yeah, yeah. That was a last second decision. It got a lot more attention than I thought it was going to get. But that's hilarious though, right? I mean, that's, that's, that, I mean, even if it's just for you, even if no one sees it, that's funny. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. And then people saw it and then it was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, uh. <laughs> no, but that's an interesting thing. It's cause like, and I and I know this from you know right with Fangraphs and you know I talk with you know Dave Cameron and Dave Appleman about like you know riding that line between doing like responsible and entertaining journalistic work um, and sometimes the challenges of you know producing an idea but like really if you wanted to like Huffington Post the crap out of your blog you would call everything huge breaking New York Yankees news right 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 and so there's that. And so, but uh, you know, and and I know uh, Sullivan is really good at playing with that too. I think he does like hot. He includes the words hot and sexy a lot in his uh, in his in his post over at Lookout, Lookout Landing too. And um, that's an interesting point, though. It's like you know, do you ever feel like, come on, guys, like really with the Yankee news, can we just read other things and laugh at other things or enjoy other things? Yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> A lot of that was, you know, we're we're very conscious of, of uh, you know, when when we're putting something up, if we're doing a, a news story, um, if it's just, we're very conscious of, you know, if we're forming the permalink one way, you know, it's going to get more attention on on a Google search than another way. So it's, you know, it's it's part of what we what we do. It's, you know, it's part of part of the job. Um, but then when it gets to something that's just completely. You know, no one's going to search for you know baseball names as a word, you know, or something like that. So, you know, I'm trying to get this thing posted, and at the very last second, it's just like, uh, what do I put here? Um, yeah, you know, I spit that out as a, kind of an inside joke. Um. <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy though, the 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 sort of work that you guys have been doing. I mean, the the quality of it and the fact that. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with, for example, like a, a site like Free Darko. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, for basketball and and. And I, and in fact, um, I mean, Free Darko is its own thing, and it's it's kind of like in a certain way, it's it's beyond criticism because it really just seems like a grad student who you know like who you know did too much peyote one night and then like but it was perpetually locked in that stage, right? And right. so you have sort of like manic scholarship essentially is what it would be. I just coined that phrase 
but it's clearly I'm going to get the next call I get is from the OED and they're like we need to put that in the dictionary the next one we release um, yeah that's not bad yeah manic scholarship but it, it, that's sort of what it is and that's not and and again it's sort of beyond criticism for that the, the stuff that you guys the, the thing is that the baseball community I think probably more so than the basketball um, re, you know reading community is a little bit more conservative um Maybe that's not your read, but that's for, for me, and maybe it's, it has something to do with writing fangraphs where we do a lot of numbers-oriented stuff, and so you right. do, do get you to you do tend to get people who are um, who are going to check your work, you know, and and maybe are a little bit humorless. Like you said, like you'd rather be funny but and wrong than totally accurate and uh, right. but dry. That's not like you can't be the first one of those <laughs> um, at fangraphs, right? I mean, you right. can be, I guess. But you have to expect that someone to be like, "This is bad. What you just did is bad, and I hope you get hurt physically." Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and I've been in my little bubble where you know I'm writing for my Happy Chronicles, and, and you know everyone who's reading me knows that I'm basically just uh, you know a hack stand-up comic uh, you know, masquerading as a baseball writer, and I'm just going to continually write unfunny things. And then when I start with Baseball Nation, you know people aren't used to me, so. I'll write something that's you know, obviously satire, and in yeah. the comments, invariably it'll be someone's like, um, you know, don't you know that you know Jose Bautista has never tested positive for steroids, or you know, whatever the article's on. You know, there's <laughs> always like one person who totally misses a joke, and I'm not used to that. I'm not used to yeah, yeah. people not knowing I'm a dumbass. Yeah, 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 right. They need to get, they need to know that. Um, yeah. yeah, that should be. You should make that part of your byline because, like, right now it says Grant uh, Grant Brisby editor. Yeah. Like you'd be like editor slash just giant like huge dumbass. <laughs> and that wall, that might you know people would understand at that point. There's but, an uh, argument. For that. Yeah. yeah. So so what has that been like though? Kind of uh, doing the baseball nation stuff and like, um, you know, it's like I imagine because because I know I know Nair and I know that he's interested. Like Nair editorially is like the only re- like the only requirement is that it's interesting. And he's actually said that to us verbatim. I think he's like make sure it's interesting. You know what I mean? Right. For on whatever whatever level. But like, make sure that like when you read it, you're like, yeah, this has a hook to it, essentially. And so I'm curious is like to sort of like going from McCovey Chronicles to to the main page at SB Nation, like you know, at Baseball Nation, like what that's done, and like, have you? I assume you're utilizing a lot of the same moves from McCovey Chronicles, but like, I'm wondering, you know, you're writing for a national audience now. You're like, oh, like I can't write about the Giants because I do that all the time. But my that's bulk of my baseball experience, what sort of informed and uh, maybe changed changed about your move? Uh, to the to the the main page. Um, yeah, I wish I knew. Uh, like, I wish I could put my finger on exactly what's changed. I know something's different between the two sites, uh, and I really can't put my finger on it. I, maybe I, I feel a little bit more pressure um, writing for national audience. Maybe I can't fall back on uh, Mark Carrion and Todd Benzinger jokes like I can with the Giants site. Um, you, you know, I have a certain comfort level. Just you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable that I have a handle on what's going on with the Giants and what's happened in the past 20 years, whereas with the National, I mean, I, you know, I'm worried if I say that Paul Paul Janish is, is going to well, lose in fact, his job. Paul, so it's Paul Janish to, to begin with, so exactly. already... That's <laughs> what I was getting at. You know, and am I pronouncing Paul Janish right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have okay. no idea. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's kind of... Uh, it, it stresses me the hell out, and and I think that kind of trickles down to my voice where maybe I'm a little less uh, likely to be a complete dumbass um, with my writing, um, which I'm not used to. So it's, I think it'll get there, and I think it'll, it'll take time. And it's, it's nice having uh, 
uh, Rob Nair there saying, hey, just make it interesting. You know, it's not like he's putting pressure on me to stat it up or destat it or um, unstat it or whatever. Um, it's just, you know, make it interesting. I think it's it, it's a definite transition, and I'm hoping that I'll get to the point soon where I'm as interesting um, on Baseball Nation as I am on McCovey Chronicles because I'm really, really interesting on McCovey Chronicles. No, I get that. I get that. Truly get that. fascinating. Um, I'm kind of like the voice of a generation, but not really. Um, but I am. Um, but you no, know, it feels different. So I'm hoping that I get that I figure out what the heck's different because I'd like it to be, um, you know, roughly the same. Right now, um, uh, uh, last last thing I want to ask you about is just in terms of uh, the future. Um, you know, like uh, aspirations, I guess. Right. So you're you're a 33 year old gentleman uh, who has a family, a young family. And and you're a sports writer in a in a, a a medium which is you know writing about baseball for the internet that has not really existed that long, and I will contend forever that the internet is great. Like you were I mean, just like even this piece you did here, what's in a name, the etymology of baseball, or you know some of the stuff you sort of suggested that you do over McCovey Chronicles. That's not stuff that you could do for a newspaper even like 10 years. You know, I mean, you could do it for a newspaper. You couldn't do it. You couldn't write it and get it published 10 years ago. Right. People are like what? What is this? This is nothing. This is not a genre. This is not. You're not telling us about the, you know, like the the narrative. Like you're not giving us a narrative arc about a player, like his rise from difficulty. You know, you're not. Um, you're not giving us any sort of performance analysis. You're not making a controversial or you know statement about like, um, you know, the relationship between sport and culture or you know like sport and law. Like you're not talking about steroids or this is not report. It's definitely not reportage. It's the opposite of reportage. Uh, so, so you're sort of writing this thing, and you're and you're pretty good at this thing that has not existed for that long. Um, and so I'm curious as to like, if you had your druthers, if you were given your druthers, I mean, would you just do this till you reeled off or uh, shuffled off this mortal coil? Um, as I think probably who is that? That's uh, uh, Steve Allen uh, said that and famously. What uh, I mean, like, what's your like what's the what's the upside? I mean, you seem to be doing something you like now. You know, I, I assume that you're incredibly vain, so I assume you want your name all over America's billboards. How are you going to get it there? I eh, that's a good question. Um, I think the initial goal was to write about baseball for a living, um, and I've, I've I've done that. And from there, I don't really know what else. Um, I mean, I would love to to do screenplays and stuff like that and get things uh, uh, sold. Um, but other than that, I mean, I can't picture myself writing uh, for, say, The New Yorker. Um, I I don't think I my talents would necessarily translate over there. Um, it would be a little too structured. I, I enjoy the freedom of internet writing. Is you know, if I want to write haiku, you know, my next ten posts all in haiku, I could. Um, if that's kind of what tickled my fancy. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to. I, I, I don't think, want to think about anything tickling anything. It's else. a pretty good fancy. <laughs> it's, it's it's a pretty impressive one. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I don't. I, at this point, I'm I'm kind of uh, where I want to be. There, there's a few changes I would like to to make. Um, there's a you know few uh, digits I'd like to add on to my salary because I'm really really greedy. Yeah. No, um, no, no. Well, no, no. Ma- I mean, make make more money and work less often. I mean, that seems like a good combo, right? I would love to, you know, I don't really know what Bill Simmons does, um, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it seems to me like he's making a lot of money, yeah, and he can do like 
one think piece a day. And I, to be honest, I don't read them that often, not because I don't like them, just because I, I don't read a lot on the internet because I'm, I'm so flipping busy. Um, but it, it seems to me like he has the ability to kind of just work on one thing all day, stretch it out, play with it, you know, put in, put in his own voice as much as he wants, take it out. Um, and then at the end of the day, he's got something for the next day that is, you know, his daily masterpiece. Um, and maybe that would be the eventual goal. Maybe be able to focus on like one thing that really, this is what I'm thinking right now about the baseball world, as opposed to you know, coming up with three or four or five different things um, every day, and, and sometimes feeling like you're not putting out something that, that's especially interesting. Um, so I guess that could be the, the ultimate goal. But so you're talking about like you want to be like Grant Brisby TM, essentially. You want to be like you are a brand, and just whatever comes out of Grant Brisby is. Is gold. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the idiots of McCovey Chronicles kind of eat up whatever I write, right, you know, right now. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you, you know, know, I think it, if it makes you feel better, I'm going to guess that no one's going to make it to this part of the podcast. So whatever you say now is just. Oh, it, it's great. You know, those, those, those dolts will eat up whatever I write. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Good. And good, I, good. I want that on a national level. You know, there's <laughs> only so many idiots at McCovey Chronicles to go around. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now that we've tarnished uh, both of our reputations and also the publications for which we write, let's say goodbye to each other uh, and to this podcast. But uh, you have, you are Grant Brisby. You're uh, uh, just a great writer, a lot of fun to read, and uh, as we found out here, uh, a thoughtful guy who um, who likes what he does, which is uh, I think that makes everyone feel good. But uh, thank you so much, Grant. I will suggest to fangrass readers. Uh, definitely read as much of uh, Grant's work as you can stomach, which may just maybe very little, maybe none at all. Uh, but thank I you so much, th- thank you so much, Grant, for joining us. You got it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Carson. Yeah, take care. All right. Uh, so that has been Grant Brisby. I, I have been and will continue to be Carson Stooley, and this has been uh, I, definitely a white hot edition of Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.